Well, this fall, as you are all aware, I think you're all aware if you've been coming here on a regular basis, uh, Rusty's been leading us through a study of the four cores. We're calling it the core four of our church. First one related to worship, next one community, service, and witness. And uh, Rusty's been dedicating two, uh, two sermons to each of the values. We've already gone through four and we're halfway, uh, we've, we're halfway through the third value, okay? We've gone through two values and halfway through. Last week, Daniel started off to talk about, and of course, it was the value of service. Now, we used to have banners here. We don't now because we had the Christmas decorations. But the, the value that was put there is listed as passionate service. Passionate service. Last week, Daniel gave us a great foundational message on the subject of service. And if you were not present last Sunday, or you did not have the opportunity to hear it online, I strongly encourage you to listen to it. And if you didn't hear it, or you weren't there, sorry, you're going to miss something, because I'm actually going to build on what he said last week. He basically asked three questions or answered these three questions. Why do we serve? Who do we serve? And how do we serve? I encourage you to listen to that if you haven't already. Today, I would like to deal with the other word in that statement. The word passionate. Passionate. How do we become passionate and how do we maintain passion in our service? The foundational passage, in my opinion, on this is actually found in the book of Romans, chapter 10. Romans, uh, uh, chapter 12, and it's uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Now, Rusty, when he started off this series, he actually started in Romans chapter 12, if many of you remember that, where it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then he went on to talk about worship, and that was the initi uh, initiating our whole conversation on our values, the first value. Well, now we come to verse 11. And in this, very simple instructions, very simple statement. Never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, there are two key words in this passage, in this verse, as far as I'm concerned. I've underlined them. The first one is the word zeal. And in the Greek language, of course, in which this uh, original text was written, that word is used in different connotations. And when it's used in a literal action, it actually means hasten or, or uh, speed up, go faster. Uh, sometimes Karen will contact me and say, listen, uh, while you're downtown, can you pick up something in the grocery store? And I'll put it on my list, or maybe in the morning at breakfast time, I write it on my list that I'm going to do during the day. But she might at a certain time write a little text and saying, are you coming back with those ingredients soon after I'm out there? 
I hasten to bring it back. It kind of steps up the priority. That's the sense in which he is saying here. It becomes priority. It becomes something that is important. It talks about intensity of the heart. The second word is that word fervor. And again, the Greek word on that, interestingly, is also used in some physical situations, physical actions. And you know what it is? When water was heated and it started to boil over, that word would be used. Fervency, that boiling over that happens when water is heated. Such is the case with our attitude and our dedication to service. Boiling over in our service, that, that kind of intensity. I think the word passionate would be a good way of summarizing what God intends of us to do. So we want to look at this whole thing about being passionate in our serving. How do we develop passion and how do we maintain passion? I'd like to suggest four things to remember as we go through this concept. First of all, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Now, Daniel dealt with this subject a little bit last week as well. But I would like to summarize this in two statements. Remember who you are. Remember them. They're easy. The first one is, you are a child of God. Now, that's something we emphasize a lot here because it is a very important truth. At one point, the Bible says that we were enemies. We were strangers to God. We were wandering and doing our own thing. We had no place for God. And then by the work of the Spirit of God in drawing us to Himself and in responding to Him, if you have responded to the good news of Jesus, we are now transformed to be children of God. We are part of the family. And all that that means of a father who cares and looks after the, looks after the family. And even in the scriptures, the Bible actually talks about God being like a mother as well. And some of those characteristics that are unique for a mother in relation to a child is something that the Bible makes clear that God is to us. We are privileged to be children of God, but we're also a servant of God, a servant of God. And that speaks a little bit more to our responsibility, but our responsibility in the context of our relationship with God. Actually, the word, the Greek word that's used often for the word servant might be better translated slave. But, of course, we try to avoid that phrase because of the connotation that it has here in North America historically. But it means someone who has come to the point where they choose for the rest of their lives to serve a master. We are both children of God and servants of God. Now, it's important to remind ourselves of these two truths. I don't know about you, but I challenge, I have a challenge sometimes that I forget 
And I become more conscious of other things that kind of tell me who I am. And these two truths are not the most important. So I try as a practice that every morning uh, when I get up and it's either verbalized in my prayer or it's in my thinking and, or praying silently, I try to remind myself, thank you, God. I am your child. Thank you, God. I am your servant. We have this unique relationship with our Father, but we also have a responsibility to our Father. These two truths help me to remind me of the passion that I must have in serving. Secondly, Remember to whom and for whom you are serving. Again, Daniel actually mentioned this in a sermon last week. In fact, I think he did a really good job. He asked this question, who do you serve? Now, that was a very good question. Well, I serve God. Of course, we say that. But I serve people. Well, it's, in a sense, it's both. But there's a different motivation for why we serve. For example, we serve people because people have need. We do not serve God because God has need. God has no need. He could choose to use somebody else. He could choose to do it all himself. But he invites us to enter in to his desire to meet the needs of others by dedicating ourselves to serve others. We serve people, but we also serve God. We serve God to bring glory to him. But we serve people because of needs that are there. So it's important for us to keep that in mind as we serve we are serving God out of a sense of bringing glory to Him and thanks, showing our appreciation to Him. But we serve people because of the need that's there. I think it's well captured, uh, 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 well expressed in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter 4, verse 10, this is what it says. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. You have received the grace of God, not for you to keep it for yourself, but to actually work it out as you serve other people. Here it makes a reference to gift, and that makes us think of spiritual gifts. Uh, Daniel alluded to the issue of spiritual gifts last week as well. And I just want to let you know that starting in the new year, starting in January, we're actually dedicating some time to actually go through a, a study of spiritual gifts. We're going to talk about them. Now, some of you have been in this church for a while or you've been in other churches and you've actually talked about spiritual gifts before. You kind of know what they're all about. Some of you are maybe just new to being in church, being gathered together with other believers, 
and you're not quite sure what that's all about. Well, actually, for both of us, we're going to take some time to go through and review again this issue of spiritual gifts, committed to the fact that every individual who is a follower of Jesus has received at least one special ability, gift, to be able to serve in the church community and to serve also outside in our community. We're going to be dealing with that later. It's coming. The, what I would like to do now is just... Oh, I'm, uh, I want to underline the importance of this truth with a story that Jesus mentions in Matthew 25. Now, you know this story very well. A king responds to his servants who have been faithful in handling his money during the time that he was absent. I think many of you have read that story. And this is what the text says. His master, when he comes back, after entrusting money to servants during his absence... And those who have responded appropriately in terms of how they use the money that he gave them, he turns to them and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And then notice this, come and share your master's happiness. That's kind of a picture of what is going to happen for us as we faithfully steward God's grace in various forms. God is looking for us to be good stewards, good workers, and we get the privilege of sharing in the joy that he, is, uh, uh, that he experiences himself. Now, at this moment, I'd like to take uh, a couple of minutes to actually mention some ways in which this church body... Now, this is just examples, okay? I know there's a whole lot of other things that are going on in this church that we could recognize of how God is working through people. But I want to I mention a couple of them. First of all, there are three farming families in our church who have joined together in cooperation with someone who owns some land here in our congregation to create a yearly growing project called Rock Solid. Now, if you go out of here and you go down south on 236, you don't have to go too far before you come to, to uh, Richard and Bev's uh, turnoff to go to their house. And just before that, you'll see this sign, rock solid. You may have wondered what it is all about. Well, the Mathesons, the Tolinars, and the Harrises have joined together with the youngstras and have a project in cooperation with an organization. You notice it says their tier fund and in another place, the Canadian Food Grains Bank for a project, an agricultural project. 
This year, they seeded soybeans. You may have seen them growing as you pass by. And then a couple of weeks ago, they started to take off the crop. And you'll see there in a couple of photos, some good John Deere combines uh, working on the field. This one here that belongs to Nick. And also, uh, you can see two of them there. This one over here on the right that belongs to the Harrises. And uh, Nick's uh, at the back as well. They took that and then they put it on trucks, which is the next slide you can see in the distance there, and took it off to the elevator. Now, I want to tell you, this year they were able to raise around $20,000, which will be quadrupled by the government, so be thankful your tax money is helping, to make a total of $100,000 donated to a project of feeding the poor in a developing country of the world, but coupled with an organization that at the same time is sharing the good news of Jesus and seeking to make disciples among the people who receive the food. Now, to me, this is a great example of believers taking the assets that God has given them, the gifting that God has given them, and using them to minister to the physical and spiritual needs of people around the world. By the way, if you'd like more information about the project this year, I do have a one-page summary that I got from the guys that I could distribute to you, but I would suggest it would be better for you to talk in person with Andrew, Nick, or Nathan. And pray for them as they prepare for the next growing season. You'll see here there's Patty and Andrew Harris. There's Nick Matheson with uh, Gord. I always forget his name, sorry. Representing the Canadian Food Grains Bank as well. And Nathan wasn't in the picture at that particular point, so we didn't, we didn't get him in there. And I want to express our thanks to Richard and Bev as well for your participation in this project. Pray for them as they uh, are planning now for a new growing season, and they will likely also need some financial assistance uh, just in the overhead expenses as they put in the crop in 2024. Now I want to come to a second example. I didn't use this in the first service because of shortness of time, but I, I, I feel I want to say something too, and that has to do with... Uh, the family that I just talked about a little earlier, the Fize family, uh, our Afghan uh, family, who spent a year in uh, Pakistan before coming here. On October the 13th, they arrived in Winnipeg, and for a little over two weeks, Ken and Linda York hosted them in their home. And a big thanks to Ken and Linda. We really do thank you. Appreciate your, your willingness to do it. By the way, Hamid and Shigofa were here in the early service. Uh, they're not here in the presence or in this service. During that time, many people delivered meals to the York home or hosted the Fizzy family in their own home. And there was always plenty of food. In preparation for the installation, 
to go into their own home in Stonewall. We ask people to donate furniture and furnishings. The response was overwhelming. Uh, the move of all these items in the home on November the 1st and 2nd went very smoothly. I had volunteers of trucks to help make those moves, and a lot of people brought the, brought, uh, the furnishings right to the house. Since that time, a number of people have volunteered to drive them to administrative appointments in Winnipeg or English classes, and have offered to help them in shopping and enhancing their English learning classes. It's been marvelous to see how God has moved among us to respond and be with them. And I know they're very grateful for what has been done. Now, we have made a one-year commitment to provide overall care for their settling into Canada. So our task is not over yet. We still have a lot of work to do. But on behalf of the care team, and there are four of us on that care team, uh, I can say right now we're very thankful for the involvement of the church congregation. We'll still need some drivers because there's actually going to be an increased number of English classes that they will need to be driven to, and actually volunteers who'd be willing to sit with them to help in their capacity to speak, listen, read, and write English. So uh, we're sending, we're having regular updates. You can see in the bulletin, there's a little thing you can click on with your phone, and it'll take you to the updates as to what we're doing. And my challenge to us all is let's keep up the good work uh, for the cause of helping this family settle in to Canada. Um, having said all of that, I still have two points that I want to go with. I want to go to the next one. Remember your serving capability. What on earth do I mean by that statement? Here's what I want to say. We need to be aware of our capacity to serve. Not everybody has the same capacity. Not everybody has the same time. Not everybody has the same energy. Not everybody has the same gifting. We need to be aware of our capacity to serve. Now, that also means we need to be aware of our limitations to serve. We need to be aware. We start off enthusiastic. I don't know about you, but me. I start off enthusiastic about serving, responding to the needs of people around. We're so excited, but I have the tendency to become overcommitted at times. And as a result, my passion begins to diminish. And I begin to serve out of duty and not passion. How do I know that? Because I can become irritable and I can become resentful even of those that I am serving. How tragic. The privilege of serving and I become resentful. And I begin to realize that I always need to be aware of my capacity to serve. And when I overdo it, I begin to lose my zeal 
to serve. So, it means having a good balance. It means recognizing our limitations. God never asks us to serve more than we are capable of doing. So it always means checking with Him. An evaluation with Him in the conversation as to our capacity to serve. I find this is specifically important for those of us that are older in the congregation because that's where our capacity starts to show up or limitations to capacity. And I have to admit that even this past year, I've come to realize that I'm a year older and I am more limited in my capacity to serve than I have been in the past. And I get frustrated at times, realizing that uh, the Lord knows all about this and he wants us to be wise in serving. A good balance. We need intake. We need our batteries charged in order to be able to serve out and serve others. I think this is really important. And I want to encourage you to be continually checking, serving the Lord, yes, serving Him with zeal and making sure that you have a balance in your life so that you can serve in that way. The final thing that I want to share with you, though, that's really important in this is not only remembering your serving capacity, but remember the source of your service. It fits right in with this. What do I mean by that? Service done in your own strength is not what God has designed for you. The scriptures are very clear. We need to rely on the power, the wisdom, and the guidance of God to serve as He wants us to. Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 20 to 21 this is what it says. The writer of Hebrews said, Now may the God of peace, and he explains a little about who the God of peace is, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may this God equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God wants us to be aware of our capacity and our dependence on Him to serve. He wants to work through us to serve other people, giving us the strength and the wisdom and everything else that we need. Now, we all know that. Many of us have heard that before. The question is, what will you do to continually remind yourself of your capacity and your dependence on Him? I find in my life I need to develop regular practices in my life that bring me in contact. It's often silence and meditation. Bring in contact with our, my God so that I'm aware 
of the direction he's giving to me and how I can rest on him to do that which he wants me to do. In conclusion, I want to remind us again today of what Daniel said last week. God has called us to serve one another in the church fellowship and others around us in need so that God's name is glorified. But today, I want to challenge us all to remember that God desires us to serve passionately, not out of a sense of duty, not of a sense of begrudgingly serving people, but to do it passionately. And we need to work at that. We need to realize our human limitations and our dependency on God. You are a child of God. You are a servant of God. You serve God by bringing glory to him. But you serve people to minister to needs. Remember, watch carefully your capacity. Don't go beyond your limits so that you can continue to depend on him and serve with passion. I wonder if we had a meter... I brought along a thermometer because I don't have another meter. This is a straight thermometer instead of a little circle. I wonder if there was a meter that would measure our passion for service. Where we would be positioned. Would we have a low passion? Would we have a high passion? Or would it somewhere be in between? May God help us to be able to develop a passion for service and maintain that passion every day as we seek to bring glory and honor to him. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for what you have done for us. And uh, we would pray, Father, our desire is that not only would we serve you, but help us to serve you, Lord, with a sense of zealousness, of seeking to bring glory and honor to you in what we do. Lord, help us to be passionate. Guide us that we might serve you please, in a way that pleases and honors you. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen.